as you guys are aware, myself along with the elders have decided to suspend church this week. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision for us. My natural inclination was to let's just push forward. You know, and, and, and I realized that this coronavirus isn't a big deal for most people, medically speaking. Um, and so, I, you know, I just wanted to, I thought, well, we're just going to keep, keep having church. Why would we stop? When I pastored in Belize, I think we canceled church two times, and both times because a hurricane struck, and there were uh, things floating in the street in front of church. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not prone to cancel church. But as I was conversing with the elders and kind of thought through the situation a little bit, I decided that we would go ahead and, and suspend our normal weekly gatherings, at least this week. And next week, we'll kind of um, reassess a little bit. And I wanted to um, share a little bit kind of on the um, thought process behind that. First of all, we recognize, I think, that this isn't the church. Right, our our weekly gathering in this building isn't the church, so because of that, because the gathering, because we're the church, you know, whether we suspend service for a week or a month or a year, that doesn't change, right? It doesn't change that we are the church, that we're the body of Christ, and because we're the body of Christ, right, we're called to to love one another. We're called to care for one another and to, to look out for one another's needs. And as you know, we have a lot of seniors in our fellowship. And as you've heard, seniors are the most susceptible to this new virus. And so out of a, really an overabundance of caution, we decided to take a step to protect the most vulnerable among us. And... Um, you know, this isn't just some sort of uh, existential threat, you know, something that's, that's out there. You know, we, Mark, he, uh, there's been cases at his school. My kids attend Chase Lake right down the street, and um, a teacher is confirmed to have uh, COVID-19 there. And so, so it's real. I mean, it's nothing to panic about, but it's a real thing. It's around us. So I felt like we needed to exercise a, a degree of caution and wisdom. So stay home when you can, wash your hands, and love Jesus. That's my advice for the, uh, for the uh, pandemic. And stay tuned for updates. And um, if this thing dies down in the coming week, we'll continue to meet as we usually do. And if it continues to grow or the panic continues to grow, we um, will next week we'll live stream the messages and we'll come up with a, a plan for small groups. We're kind of thinking about, I met with the elders this morning, and we're talking about um, kind of meeting Sunday mornings in individual homes, smaller groups, and, um, and we're going to get set up to stream the messages, and they'll be streamed right into your guys' living rooms, and you can get together in small groups. And um, Francis Chan must be so excited right now about the, uh, <laughs> the small group churches. <coughs> but one way or another, We'll get through this together, so don't lose heart. I, uh, I remember when I was, I don't know, maybe kindergarten, first grade, maybe up to second grade. Um, in, in very early elementary school, 
we had these nuclear bomb drills. You guys, you remember those? And, and I think they ended right, right in the early 80s. See, I remember later in elementary school, they didn't have them anymore. But they had these nuclear bomb drills. And, um, and they'd make us get under our desks, and we'd have to close our eyes, and this bell would be going off. And, and I'm not totally sure how the desk was going to protect me from a nuclear detonation. But, but we did it anyway, you know, and it broke up the monotony of see spot run, run spot run. So it was kind of fun. It was, it was different. But pretty much, as long as I can remember, there's always been something terrifying. Right? There's always been something we're, we're supposed to be afraid of. I remember when I was little, there was an ice age coming. And not only were we supposed to be worried about nuclear war, but there was also nuclear winter that was going to come. You know, and, and now we have global warming, and we have climate change, and, and we have a, a, a myriad of new diseases that we're supposed to worry about. And I'm not saying that none of those things are legitimate concerns. I think some of them are, some of them aren't. And, and the trouble is, a lot of times, we don't know which one is which until afterwards. <clears throat> and that's not really the point that I want to discuss today. What I want to talk about is, is how so many people are living in this perpetual state of fear, aren't they? So many people are living with so much stress and anxiety and, <clears throat> and worry in their lives. That cough wasn't. I just have a cold. It wasn't coronavirus. I don't want you guys to worry. I don't think I do. I haven't actually been tested. So you two in the front row, you guys are. <clears throat> I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Right, but so many people are living with so much stress and anxiety. And I read a couple articles talking about that, how, how, how anxiety is just skyrocketing in our society. It's just, it's just like spiraling. And, and we're living... In this period right now where millions of people are, are terrified of this unknown thing. They're terrified of what the, what the future holds. And you may have heard this quote before. I'm going to read it again. It says, worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. I think four or five months ago I quoted that in a, in, in a Bible study, but it's, it's just as true then as it was, or new now as it was then, right? It's, I mean, worry is, is trusting that bad things are going to happen. And so I want to talk a little bit today about fear and about faith and about living in fear or living in faith because the two are opposites, aren't they? You can't be living in faith while you're living in fear. And you can't be living in fear while you're living in faith. So I want to ask three questions. What is living in fear? What is living in faith? And how can we live in faith when we're scared? Right, Paul, <coughs> he tells his young protege Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, or sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now look, fear 
is a natural, healthy response sometimes. I think I told you guys this story a while back. But Elias and I, for his 15th birthday, we went on this expedition. And it was this, um, this jungle expedition. And uh, so what we did is we walked back a couple miles through the jungle to this, to this big cave. And this cave, it has a, a river running through it. And you walk about a, a, a mile underground in this cave. And there's these, these waterfalls, and you get to scale these waterfalls, and, and they harness you all up, and you have this light on your forehead, and you get back in there about a mile, and the guide breaks out lunch, and you're eating lunch with your lights, and it's just this really cool thing. And so we did it, we're coming back out, and, and while we were in there, it had started to rain quite a bit, and it had been dry for a while. And so as we're walking back out, we're about halfway back to the vehicles, we've got about a mile to go. And we see this snake. It's called the Tommy Goth. Um, some of you guys might know them as Fertilance. And they're a pretty deadly snake. And um, we thought, oh, that's kind of cool. We saw this you know, deadly snake, and the, the guide kind of just brushed it out of the way, and we kept walking. And like a minute later, we saw another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. We saw like four or five of these things. And, and the guides go, wow, I've, I've never seen this many before. And the guide's getting kind of paranoid, and, and I'm thinking, you know, and we're, we're, we're in thick bush. We're not like just out in the open in a parking lot, right? We're, we're walking in a trail through the bush, and I'm thinking, these are the ones that we're seeing right in front of us. How many are all around us in the bushes? And, you know, I'm, I'm not super afraid of snakes, right? We used to hunt rattlesnakes when I was a kid, and snakes don't really bother me. But, I mean, they're all around us. And I can tell you, I was terrified. And I was never so happy to get in a car as I was when we finished that. And, and that's, a, that's a healthy fear, right? Your life is in danger. And I think that's a, a God-given fear to preserve our lives. And that's not what I'm talking about. <clears throat> a specific thing where, where we need to preserve our lives. I think here Paul is talking about not being controlled by fear. He says we haven't been given a spirit of fear. He's talking about not letting fear run your life. And I hope you see the difference there, right? There's nothing wrong with being afraid of something. There's nothing wrong with being afraid if a bear is charging you, right? That's a good time to be afraid and to run. The issue is when fear paralyzes you. I remember once uh, before we moved to Belize, we, um, we lived in North Bend, and we had these two German shepherds. Their names were Jackie and Ada. And um, I would take Jackie and Ada down to the river all the time to swim. <clears throat> and I remember this one time, we were down at the beach, and they were maybe maybe five or six months old at the time. Very obviously little puppies. You know, they're floppy ears and tripping all over their feet. And um, so I'm sitting there, and I think one of them was sitting next to me. One was just kind of drinking water. And this lady comes, and she just freaks out. She's panicking when she sees my dogs. And she's, she's like screaming, almost like crying, hold your dogs, get your dogs. Just like, and I don't know the situation. Maybe she had had a bad encounter with dogs before. Maybe she'd been bitten. I don't know what it was. But this fear that she had of my dogs, one puppy laying down by my side and the other puppy drinking water, was clearly irrational. And her fear of the dogs 
was, was controlling her. And I've seen that kind of a scenario play out so many different times. See, people who, who maybe they've had bad relationships. Maybe they've been hurt by a parent or by a spouse. And, and they build up walls. And they live in fear of, of getting close to people or, or letting other people get close to them. People who have been through financial difficulties or are scared of, of not having enough, not being provided for. You know, people live in fear of, of health issues. You know, people, they get hurt by something and that fear oftentimes controls them for, for the rest of their lives. And that that's not the way that we're called to live. That's not what we're called to as children of God. We've not been given a spirit of fear. And when that fear, when that anxiety starts to take over, we have to make a decision to surrender that to the Lord. And sometimes it's five times a day, ten times a day, fifty times a day. We have to continually surrender that anxiety and fear to the Lord. I remember this one time, there was this, uh, this conflict with some of the girls in our church. And um, <clears throat> by conflict, I don't mean like an argument, I mean like fist fights in the van. And I remember, I remember one time, these particular girls, we opened up the door and one of the girls was trying to get out and this foot came flying up and kicked her in the head. These are the kind of conflicts that I'm talking about. And... Um, one of the set of the girls was from this area in Belize City called Ghost Town. And, and in the midst of this conflict, she tells me that the, um, she's all mad. And she says, next time the van goes by, the, the leader of the gang there in Ghost Town, he said he's going to shoot up our van. And, and understand that our van had already been shot up. And a young man in our van had got shot in the head, and he died. And so this was a serious situation, right? And this is so something that, that I had to deal with. But, but I was scared. You know, I, I knew I had to, to get to the bottom of it and make sure our church van was safe and our kids were safe. So I, um, I called my pastor in the U.S. and kind of told him what was going on, that I had to go in, into this area and, um, and talk to this gang leader. And, and I said, well, in case something happens to me, you know, just come get my wife and kids. And so I went back into Ghost Town. And Ghost Town, there's not really streets there. If you haven't been there, it's hard to imagine. But there's, not, there's just these little, little pathways that kind of weave in and out through this, this neighborhood. And, and it, the pathways are bordered by um, like old roofing, old galvanized steel roofing. And so it's like a maze. And you're kind of walking back through this area. And, and I had to go back in there and, and, and find the leader of the gang area in Ghost Town there and, um, and talk to him and, and see what was going on and make sure that our people weren't in danger. And I finally tracked him down, and and turns up for a gangster, he was a nice enough guy. You know, and he was friendly, and he told me, don't worry about it. These are just some little kids making stupid threats. But I didn't know that when I went in, right? And I, I was scared. You know, I was feeling like David, though I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I was afraid of the evil there. You know, it was, it was scary. But the point is, oftentimes, these huge issues that we fear, they're not really issues when we get down to it. It's things that we, that we build up in our minds. I want to look at what the psalmist wrote. Psalm 56, verse 1. 
Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? I love David's attitude there. And look what he says again in verse 3. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And that's the idea there, isn't it? When fear begins to creep in, we have a decision to make. Are we going to let that fear control our lives, or are we going to choose to trust in the Lord? Remember what Paul told the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul tells the church in Philippi there, he says, look it, don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. Instead, he says, make a decision to take your concerns to the Lord in prayer. And when you surrender your concerns to him, Paul says, he trades your fears and anxieties for a supernatural peace. That's a good trade, isn't it? That's a good deal. David says again in Psalm 94, 18, When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. He says, when the cares of my heart are many. Do you ever feel like that? Like the cares of your heart are many? Maybe you guys are feeling like that right now. That the cares of your heart are many. <clears throat> You're dealing with a lot of things. There's a lot of struggles going on. There's a lot of unknown. You know, how, what, what's going to happen during this pandemic that's going on? Am I going to be able to find toilet paper? Am I going to, right? All this stuff is going on. David said the Lord is there to console us, to encourage us, and to strengthen us. The Lord says in Isaiah 43, 1, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be there with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So the Lord says to Isaiah, look, I created you, I formed you, I redeemed you, I've called you by name. He says, you belong to me. And look what he says there. He says, you're going to pass through the deep waters. And you're going to pass through the fires. And I'm going to have you. I'll protect you. I am your God and you are mine, he says. And you know, if that doesn't encourage you, you might as well go home now. You might as well just 
quick pause and go out to lunch or something. Hey, if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. The Lord's saying that, that we are His, that we belong to Him. And no matter what trials come, He's going to keep us and su- sustain us. Jesus tells the disciples in Luke 12, 22, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, as small a thing as that, why are you so anxious about the rest? So Jesus says, look, guys, why stress about your life? Why stress about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, about your health? He says, life is so much more than those things. He says, look, I take care of the birds. I take care of the, the, the flowers in the field. I take care of all of these things. Don't you think I'm going to take care of you as well? He says, stop your stress. Stop your worrying because it's not going to add a single hour to your life. In fact, it does the opposite, doesn't it? Stress shortens our lives. David says in Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Living in fear, having a spirit of fear, is, is essentially it's letting fear control. It's letting fear stop you from living the life that the Lord has called you to. It's stopping you from from being who the Lord wants you to be and doing what the Lord wants you to do. And, And we're called to live in faith, not in fear, right? What is faith? It says in Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And just to clarify, as we're talking about faith, we're not talking about blind faith, right? Nothing against Ginger Baker and Eric Clapton, but a little reference a couple of you guys got. And Steve Winwood, sorry about, sorry Steve. We're not talking about blind faith. We're talking about faith based on previous faithfulness. Right? I have faith that tomorrow morning, the sun is going to rise. Why? Because it's risen every other day that I've been alive. Right? I have faith that my wife will continue to love me and put up with my nonsense. Why? Because she has for the last 25 years. Right? It's a faith based on experience. And that's what we're talking about here. We can trust in the Lord going forward because he's always been faithful to us in the past. We can trust that he's not going to fail us in the future because he hasn't failed us yet. Faith, Paul says, is assurance of things hoped for. We're assured 
that he's going to continue to fill his promises just like he always has. And we, we might not be able to see it yet. We might not be able to see the fulfillment of those promises yet. Paul says that they're still unseen, but we believe because we know the nature and the character of the one making those promises. Right? That's the heart of what faith is. And I think Solomon gives us a great example of that in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. You know the verse, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Solomon says, look, trust the Lord with all your heart. Trust the Lord completely. And he says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't trust your own understanding of the situation. Don't trust in your own wisdom. He says, rather have faith. Acknowledge that you don't know and that God does know. <clears throat> because if you lean on your own understanding, you're going to fall. You're going to fall into fear and fall into doubt and fall into anxiety. But when you walk with him, Solomon says, he will guide you. He'll lead you to the places that he wants you to go. <clears throat> and David writes again in Psalm 46.10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I love that verse. David says, look, we don't need to struggle and to strive and to stress and to try to figure out every little detail of life. David says, look, as the people of God, we can just chill a little bit. We can relax. He says, be still and know that God is in control. Be still and know that, that you don't have to try to fix everything all the time. That God is sovereign and he sits on the throne. You know, I, I'm going to wrap this up because I know that you guys have hand sanitizer to go buy and, and, and toilet paper to find. But let me, let me kind of close with this thought. Maybe you're feeling like, you know what, Pastor? That's all good and well. I just don't feel like I have that kind of faith to trust in the Lord. Well, you know, guess what? You're in good company. The apostles didn't have faith either. In fact, in Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. If you find that you don't have enough faith, ask for more. The Lord's commands and his promises, they're not always easy. But if we ask, he'll give us the faith to walk with him. He'll give us the, the faith to believe. Remember, Paul writes the, um, the church in Philippi, Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I think that's such a powerful verse. And it's obviously one of the most taken out of context verses in all of scripture, right? Paul's not saying that if I, if I just believe in Jesus... I can be an astronaut or Miss America or command a submarine. 
Right? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that through the power of Christ, I can do whatever it is that he is calling me to do. And I love that thought. Remember we saw it a couple of weeks ago in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Right? The Lord hasn't given me the ability to teleport or to practice alchemy. But he has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's already given us all the tools that we need to live the Christian life. We just need to use them. He's given us the things we need. We just need to, to, to put it into practice. Remember that verse we, we referenced earlier in Philippians 4? Let's look at it again, but I want to read a few more verses. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What have you received and learned and heard and seen in me? Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So look at what Paul says there. After he gives us this great promise and this great exhortation, he says essentially in verse 9, that promise isn't available to the whole world. That promise of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's only available to the children of God. And then look what he says. He says it's not even available to all the children of God. He says it's only available to those who are walking in obedience. He says it's available to those who are practicing the things of God. Look what he says there. He says practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. By implication, if you're not practicing those things, if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not going to experience the peace of God. And maybe you're watching this this morning, and you're not a believer. You're thinking, shoot, I'd like to experience that peace. I guess I'm out of luck. I'm not a Christian. Well, on the contrary. Today can be your lucky day. This is your opportunity to become a child of God. It's not by accident that you've reached the end of this recording. It may be that the Lord is, is calling you today. It may well be that, that you're not a churchgoer and you don't regularly attend church, but, but through this whole debacle that's going on in our culture and society right now, it's led you to this point where you're watching this video and the Lord is beginning to, <coughs> to work in your life. The Lord is beginning to, to draw you to himself. And maybe you're feeling like, man, I, I, I want to become a child of God. It's not a complicated process. Call out to the Lord. Repent of your sins. 
And, and to repent, it simply means to, to say you're sorry and to change your ways. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's all it is. Confess and believe. Paul says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. He says in another spot, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's all it is. Confess and repent and you'll be adopted into the family of God. It, it really is that simple. There's an old hymn that I really like. It's called, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And in the chorus, that's what it says. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I think that, that that's the key to not worrying and to not stressing and to not being overwhelmed. It's, it's that keeping an eternal perspective. It's turning our eyes towards Jesus. And as the chorus says, And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And I love that. Something I used to always say to my guys in Belize when we were going to do something sketchy, if we were going into a bad area or whatever. And, and I shared this a while ago, but I always tell them, you are immortal until the will of God is fulfilled in your life. When you're walking with the Lord, you are immortal until the will of God is fulfilled in your life. Nothing can touch you outside of His perfect and holy and sovereign will. Nothing can harm you. Nothing can kill you unless He allows it. And I think that once we come to term with that, that we're in His hand, under His protection, that frees us from a lot of worry and stress, doesn't it? Once we understand that we're in God's hand, and nothing can touch us, that He doesn't allow for our best interest, it frees us from that anxiety and stress and worry. And it allows us to become the men and women that, that He desires us to be. It allows us to become the men and women who are, who are able to fulfill His will for our lives. So I just want to close with that opening verse again. For the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for for the peace that you give us in the midst of uncertainty, Lord. We thank you that, that when times are difficult, we can cast our cares upon you. We know that you care for us, Lord. And Father, we just lift up our brothers and sisters, just our community at large, people who are, who are afraid, who are panicky, who are, who are uncertain, Lord, that you would use this situation to just to reveal yourself and your goodness and your majesty, Lord. We pray that your perfect and holy and sovereign will would be accomplished. 
We pray that you would use us to accomplish that. We ask that in your name, Jesus.